Welcome to Love This Food Thing podcast. I'm Gemma. This is the place where we explore our relationship with food, be it friend or foe, and how this affects our behavior. Here's today's episode. Welcome back to Love This Food Thing podcast. I'm delighted to be rejoined by Liv, Livia Sarah, the creator of the Live Label Free podcast and blog, livelabelfree.com, for our all things autistic chat. Now, Liv spoke about her ED behaviors at the beginning of this season. In fact, she was number one of season seven. And if you listened, which of course you have, you will know that it was her undiagnosed autism that influenced her ED stuff. Liv knows about your neurodiversity. I can't even say it. Every time I go to say that word, I go, neurodiversity, whereas I don't. So I'm going to ask her lots of questions. Liv, welcome back to Love This Food Thing podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Gemma. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Oh, it's so good to see you. And I'm quite manic today because I've had quite a day. And just before we started, Liv said, do you think you, you, you're ADHD? And I said, oh my God, I can't believe you just said that. Because I have a friend who has ADHD and he said, Gemma, are you sure you're not ADHD? And I said, look, I've done a little test and I really don't think I am. I'm quite manic and scattered. But then I, so why did you say, do you think I am ADHD? Well, for, for two reasons. So, so first of all, I often describe, you know, neurodivergent individuals having a, see, I can't say this word, but a sixth <laughs> sense for each other. Um, sixth sense for each other. Yeah. 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 So, okay. you know, when I walk into a room and like, I just look at a few people and they look at me, there's almost this like unspoken connection of like, I feel that there's a neurodivergent person among us kind of thing. Um, okay. And I have that with you. <laughs> Like, you? Uh, like, even though we're not in the same room, obviously, you know, I often feel when I speak to other people, whether or not they're neurodivergent, because the thing is with me, that it is very rare for me to have a very strong, genuine connection with someone who is not neurodivergent. Um, and when we first spoke, I had that immediate connection. So I was like, hmm, okay, so this, and then, and then I had I had a po- I was on a podcast a few months ago with someone yeah. else yeah. who is not neurodivergent, but we connected just so wonderfully. And her husband is neurodivergent and is autistic. So I was okay. like, well, that explains it. Um, and then the second reason why I suggested it was because my mom is um, has ADHD. <laughs> well, she's not diagnosed, but we're like, well, yes, me and my sisters have diagnosed her. And she, she reminds me a lot of you. So... <laughs> Amazing. I'm I'm very flattered. I'm very flattered. Well, here's the thing. Let's talk about neurodiversity. Neuro, goodness me, neurodiversity and what it is to be neurodivergent. What does it actually mean? And before you say anything, I'm going to tell you what I think it means and then you can correct Mm me. I think it means that your brain works in a different way than the norm, than what we perceive as to be the standard. Yeah. But then here's the thing, everyone's brain's different. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks and feels differently. So would I not just be jumping on the bandwagon going, yeah, I'm neurodivergent. I'm all this time. I can explain my personality and how I am. I can now hang my hat on this tree and say, I have ADHD. Whereas maybe it's just my personality or maybe I'm really easy to connect with. Well, I think, you know, you you bring up a really good point. Um, I think, first of all, there's 
neurodiverse and that is exactly what you just mentioned like everyone is a little different everyone's brain is different that's neurodiverse everyone is neurodiverse but not everyone is neurodivergent and I mean there's this whole thing going around of you know everyone is ADHD and autistic these days everyone is neurodivergent these days it's just become a trend blah 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 I mean you could see it that way if you wanted to, um, yeah. but on the other end of the spectrum, no pun intended, for some people, you know, who who, who are neurodivergent, who truly are, um, getting that, I don't want to say label or diagnosis, but almost knowing that they are, it helps them understand themselves um, in a way that actually allows them to improve their life. Um, so for me, for example, you know, yeah. when... When I knew I was, when I discovered I was autistic, it allowed me to stop judging myself for, in the same way I had for the first 20 years of my life. It allowed me to actually see this eating disorder as something that was a manifestation of, of something else and that was separate from what all these healthcare professionals has had said caused it. Um, and going forward, like it also helped me to set boundaries and, and build my life in a way that actually works for me rather than works against me. So in that sense, you know, I think the neurodivergent movement label, whatever you, whatever you want to call it, can be really a wonderful thing. But if you feel like it doesn't change your life at all, um, then of course it could just be another, I'm going to smack it on here and who cares? <laughs> How would I know though? What what? I mean, what are the similarities of ADHD and how maybe I'm presenting myself. I'm not just making this about me, by the way. This is your time. No, no, I seem to be taking over. Well, there you go. There's a symptom. And I mean, yeah, I, I'm. I'm quite. Uh, I can be very manic, and um, I speak very quickly. I have a terrific focus. I can feel. I. I am the person that sits on the tube in London with my fingers in my ears because of the squealing. I'm very sensitive to noise, very yeah. sensitive to space. There's someone standing behind me. But I could also tell you that my husband doesn't like it when someone stands behind him. So right. what, what would you, I'm, I guess I'm being very generalistic. What, what are the sort of general symptoms of ADHD? And then to diagnose yourself or to be diagnosed, I mean, as being autistic, what's the general tick list? Isn't that awful? Don't want to say that, but I've said it. Yeah, well, I'm no, I, I, I completely <laughs> understand what you're saying, and and I think you know the, these terms such as symptoms, it, it almost pathologizes it, which yeah. I'm not a fan of because I don't see ADHD or autism or any of the other types of neurodiversity because this is like including schizophrenia, dyspraxia, um, synesthesia. There's, I mean, there's a whole load of different mm. types of neurodiversity that mm-hmm. we probably won't get into today because no, it's not won't. relevant to me or you, I think. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, what is helpful and, and this is kind of what I alluded to earlier. Um, yeah, the tick list um, symptoms, I think, again, it's sort of just a way of being in the world, a way of thinking um, and, and kind of how you engage with your surroundings um, and how you, I guess, perceive the world to be. I think that's kind of how how you could define someone as being neurodivergent. Um, how do you, so how do you perceive the world? Well, I, I think what a lot, yeah, well, that's obviously also very vague um how do i perceive the world that question be i think vague. first You're of all to be vague yeah first of all i would say feeling like this 
gut instinct of I don't fit in, like I'm different than everyone else. And and of course, a lot of people say, well, everyone is different. Everyone's going to feel different. Um, but I think for me, it was just really, from a really, really young age, I, I just noticed, you know, I am, my interests, my passions, my behavior, my desires are just so far off what I'm observing my my quote-unquote friends to be doing um so for example like all all the girls in my class they wanted to play with barbies and wear makeup and gossip all day long and and i was just like what a waste of time like you know i wanted to learn things i wanted to read i wanted to engage in in meaningful deep conversations as like a five-year-old um so that for me was you know telltale sign that that i was autistic (laughs) looking back years later Yeah, no, I'm just watching you on the screen. I'm thinking you've got this beautiful intensity about you and I can see you age five doing your thing. Yeah. You just talk about Nietzsche and the meaning of life, age five. Yeah, well, it's uh, funny because Nietzsche and and Jung and and all these meaningful existential guys, um, they were most likely all on the spectrum. (laughs) And that's what gave them the, the ability to, you know, see things that no one else was able to see. So here's the, well, this is the thing then, isn't it? Because we are squashed into an ideal through our, the way that we, we, we are with our governments and and how we, we need to live and kind of coexist. And obviously lots of people have a very torrid time on -hmm. this planet for economic reasons and race reasons and all, all sorts. My point, I guess what I'm trying to say is that Maybe we are all neurodivergent, mm-hmm. and yet oh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. We've been we've we've just been so, so suppressed over the years that in, we. You said last time you thought about it in terms of colours of colours in the electromagnetic spectrum. Yeah, didn't you? Yeah, and maybe we are all that, but we've had centuries of oppression and suppression and more than centuries and years and years and years. It's kind of been beaten out of us and lots of us have kind of gone, okay, well, I'm going to live my life this way. I'm going to think this way. I'm going to be like this because this is the way to be. So maybe we are just all suppressing our natural, I'm not going to say authentic, but our natural selves. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, what what I think does stand out when it comes to, you know, someone who's diagnosable, ADHD or autistic. Um, Because I think you're definitely right. We are all different. We do have different brains and different ways of thinking. But I think the people that, like I said, are diagnosable, ADHD, autistic, neurodivergent, these are the people that are are literally unable to, to be suppressed, unable to conform to what society has, has pushed onto us. And I think a lot of people, although we have they have different thinking styles. They obviously have different brains. A lot of people are, are able to wake up, walk to the train station, go to their nine to five job, work a job they hate only to go home and do it all over again the next day and do that until they're 65, 70, whatever the retirement age is, so that they can finally live their life when they're too old to live it. Like a lot of people. Sure, nothing, no, but also actually nothing wrong with that because those are the people running running what we need, many of right, them, aren't they? Right, so, yes. and, I th- and I think a lot of these people that are able to do that, they don't necessarily like it, but they're able to, you know, suck it up. Okay, I'm just going to do this because this is my life. I think these are these are the people that are not neurodivergent um, because 
like every neurodivergent person I have met, we we were unable to complete school. You know, we were unable to follow certain demands. We weren't able to listen to instructions. And this is, you know, growing up without that understanding, without that neurodivergent label, we came to see ourselves as wrong and disordered. And why am I so broken? Why can't I do these things that I should be able to do? Um, and I think the moment you get that neurodivergent understanding it's like mm. this makes so much sense I just I can't conform like because I'm meant for bigger things that you know I truly believe that and I think that's why neurodivergent people make the best entrepreneurs make the best leaders and I mean Albert Einstein Charles Darwin Isaac Newton Nietzsche Jung these mm. guys were all on the spectrum because they were able to to think outside of the box outside because they, the box, yeah. yeah, they were able to venture outside of conformism, yeah, and yeah. you know that's why also with you, um, you're <laughs> building a business, you're building love this food thing. A lot, like a lot of people, don't dare to do that because it's going into an uncomfortable zone. It's going right, into the unknown, right. um, and and you you know you've decided, like I've decided with my own brand. You know, I could fail, but to me, the possibility that I'm going to succeed at this thing is more important to me and will override the fear that, you know, this might not pack out in the way I want it to. That's very interesting. I feel more and more that I am, of course, I care that it works out. I do care, but also I don't because as long as it's on my terms... Mm-hmm. And I have something to say, and I still have things to say. I keep thinking I'm going to stop soon and do something else. I'm like, okay, no, I'll keep going. As long as it fulfills that, then I'm I'm okay. Do you see well, what I, think I mean? That's be- I think that's yeah. beautiful, and and I, I I you know I don't think it has to be for anyone else, um, because ultimately we are in this for ourselves. And I mean, I write these books, and I have my podcast, and I post on Instagram for other people of course but at the end of the day we the only guaranteed relationship we have is the one with ourself um so i truly believe if you're not in business for yourself then there's no reason for you to be in business (laughs) i think it's interesting because i never saw it as a business and because my work has always been writing or or voiceovers or acting and when I, um, we're going to take a quick break, but I just want to to share this with you because I don't always, I don't normally have this kind of conversation, live. So it's lovely, mm-hmm. and, and I have mentioned it before. But when I finished my all my therapy and I got myself back on my feet, I, I did actually say this to you last time. I wasn't interested in talking about anything related to any kind of eating, body, food, addiction, disorder, whatever, because I had done it for years and I just wanted to crack on with my life. And so I did. And, but what was also interesting is that I was writing, I was writing plays and and radio plays and screenplays. And I couldn't, I wanted to use my experience, but I was unable to fictionalize it without it Mm -hmm. sounding self-indulgent. Mm-hmm. And I am more surprised than anyone that I'm now talking about it. And my, I guess the thing that I find transformative about it and compelling is that I can do something artistic with it and I can do something creative with my experience rather than, yeah. I don't know, becoming a psychotherapist or a mental health professional, right. which is fantastic, rather than going in, then into a clinical ses- setting to specifically help others in that way. Right. I can... 
I can kind of subvert it and present it in a in a way that might be helpful or, or might not. And so it feels like I'm sort of transforming the poison into medicine, but with yes, art. Yes, I, I love that. I mean, I, I resonate the word art. I think that's the key word here because that's yeah. exactly what I what I am doing too. You know, I went through the eating disorder and undiagnosed autism and I could go work in a clinic or a hospital, but that's not what I like. That's not what I enjoy. Um, and, and I, you know, write books because that is my create, that is my preferred medium of creation. That is how yeah. I am able to express parts of myself that I am otherwise never able to bring into the world. And I think that's exactly what you're doing as well. Yeah. Um, quick question before we take a break. What's your favorite time of day to write? Um, oh my gosh. It, it actually is, is not, there's not one time. I mean, I really, I really don't have an answer to that actually. <laughs> okay. This is a great time for a break. Let's talk about, I want to talk about when you were diagnosed, were you, you were diagnosed with, as autistic. I want to know how it changed your life. Or oh, I think you've said, haven't you? Because you suddenly Yeah, I, I shared about that book, Asperger's, I yes, believe. Yes, you did. Of course you did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What about how is life different now that you understand your autism compared to life before? Or have we done yeah. that as well? Yeah. So, well, I think we alluded to it, but I think because this is more 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 focused on the neurodiversity. See, this is, I, I know that you made that mistake in the beginning and then you said, I'm going to start re-recording. But something that I've started doing in my own podcast when I mess up is I just go, <laughs> and, yeah, then, no, I and then I, I make it sound human because I mean, yeah. the reality is we're not perfect. Um, and I might keep, I, I norm yeah. normally I keep all my mistakes in. I might keep that in because it is quite funny. So I'll see how it sounds. But normally I'm forever going, oh my God, I should have put my teeth in. Um, yeah. Okay, we're just going to take a little break. Welcome back to Love This Food Thing podcast. Liv just told me in the break that she will just suddenly be overcome with an urge to write, be it 3.30 in the morning recording voice notes or really tired and wants to go to bed and suddenly three, four hours later, she's still there writing. So that's very spontaneous. The muse grabs her and makes her put pen to paper or finger to keyboard. So we were just talking a little bit about the difference in Liv's life pre her autistic diagnosis, autism diagnosis, and how it is now. And we've kind of, we've touched about that. We've, we've kind of gone in and out of that, but, um, my God, my brain is just completely gone because I've got ADHD. You've got to pick it up from there, Liv. <laughs> yep, I'm diagnosing sorry, you on I'm the doing spot here. right here. Just need to Gemma Richards has ADHD. <laughs> yeah, and is currently sitting under her table going, oh my God, what am I doing? So what were we talking about? We were talking about how it released you. Yes. Why, why is life different now? I also want to talk about younger people because you're in your, she was 24 on a, a few days ago. Yeah. What it is for... How would young people who are listening to this maybe be experiencing themselves if they are also undiagnosed? Yeah, autistic? so I think I think first of all, just I mentioned this earlier, but this almost gut instinct of like, or this like powerful force that it you can't describe in words of of that you feel different than anyone else than everyone else. I think that mm. first of all, because I have never met a neurodivergent person that 
you know, discover they were neurodivergent later in life and were like, oh, well, that's a surprise. Like for, like for every single person I met that discovered it was like, wow, like everything makes so much sense now. Um, I, that's really, I think the moment you're diagnosed ADHD or autistic and it's like, what? I'm so confused. I don't think you're then truly ADHD or autistic. Um, right. Yeah, so I think, you know, as a, a young person, just experiencing the world very differently. Um, another thing, um, and we kind of alluded to this when you said I was an old soul. <laughs> um, yeah, is, you are. You're a very is, old you know, wise soul. Wanting, as a young person, wanting, like, answers to life's deepest questions and being really interested in topics that are quote-unquote not age appropriate um I okay. may have said this in a previous episode but when I was 10 years old you know everyone was writing book reports on Harry Potter and I don't know fairy books and just mythical things that I was like okay that's great I wanted to write my book report on one time on cancer research on a book, you know, written about cancer and um, right. and, and another time on World War II. I wanted to write like about the whole Nazi regime and, and everything. And wow. I remember my teacher saying like, this is not age appropriate. Um, and I was like, but that just made me want to do it more because I was like, who are you to tell me it's not age appropriate? <laughs> um you so, see, I was like yeah. that with behaviors. If I was told, sorry to cut you off, but I, if I was told not to do something my God, I would just go straight away, go and do it. Yeah, well, I think that's another that's another sign of, of neurodivergence, mm. and it's called mm. specifically demand avoidance, is that we is it? avoid the demands, anything we perceive as a demand. Um, so, yeah, for me, that was a similar thing, you know, and during my eating disorder, it totally f***ed <laughs> up the entire treatment team's attempt to help me because yes, the moment they like, say... Yeah you have to eat. I was like, you can't tell me what to do. Yeah. What, what um, I'm interested, and, and on a serious note, I'm interested on the, the fact that your, your sister, and we did talk about this in the last episode, that your sister and yourself have diagnosed your mum with ADHD. So why have you done that? And is that a conversation that you have with her? Yeah, well, it's actually funny because I was calling her a few days ago um and for the first time she actually brought it up like Livia do you think do you really think I have ADHD explain to me why um, and, yeah and what did you explain to her yeah well I said I said first of all it's just this you kind of alluded to it in the kind of feeling like your brain is going all over the place all the time um mm. that you know it's like you're filled with all these ideas but you feel like you can't focus on on one thing but the moment you are focused on something that you're really passionate about your focus is incredible um and and that's kind of the adhd gift or the autistic gift is that we tend to be so scattered in our minds and it can it can make us go crazy um because we're like we just want to like turn the switch off sometimes but when we find our create creative outlet when we find our art like like you were mentioning um that sometimes you're like, my focus is amazing. And that's why I asked you, like, is it also amazing when you're doing something that you really don't like? Um, no, I hate it. Right. Because for, for ADHD people and, and autistic people, school can be so impossible because if we are forced to learn something or do something that we are not interested in, it is 
like the material just does not go in. Um, mm. And my mom has that. Um, and and I have that. And my sister, who's ADHD, has that. Um, and my dad, who's autistic and ADHD, has that. Um, and, and I think, again, that's kind of where the judgment came in before I knew I was autistic. It was like, why can't I just be like a normal student and learn this stuff, even if I don't want to? Because it's not like anyone wants to learn it. <laughs> So this, this is interesting. I also want to say that there are so many levels of autism and ADHD mm-hmm. and some people are unable to function, aren't they? Without oh, yeah. Yeah. a lot of care and support. So we're not being flip here. We're talking about, well, Liv's talking about herself and I'm talking about myself. But I just wanted to posit that. So are you saying that people who are neurodivergent have a problem taking in and retaining information, even if they're interested What's the, do you have a great memory? Um, it depends. It depends. Oh. Um, my long-term memory is like flabbergasting to people. Like when I was writing Rainbow Girl, I vividly describe scenes that happened when I was four, three, four, five years old. Um, and I remember my mom reading Rainbow Girl for the first time and being like, how the hell did you describe this with such accuracy? You were so young. Um, But I just remember, I remember it as if, because for me, I'm very visual and that's a common autistic ADHD trait is to think in in images and to think in pictures. Like when someone tells me a word or tells me about a concept, to process that concept, I will actually first create an image of it in my mind and that's how I remember it. And this is what can cause neurodivergent people often to come across as slow processors and slow learners. Um, but it's not that we're being slow, it's just we're, we have an, an extra step going on. Um, and that ability to transform things into tangible sights and images and, and, and sensations almost, that I think is our gateway to creating art and to creating things that have never been done before. Um, and that's what makes us wonderful entrepreneurs and, and leaders because we are able to bring some bring a perspective to something that's never been done before. And now my entire brain went in a rabbit hole and I forgot the initial question. And this no, happens a lot no, to me too. <laughs> so, no, so glad that that's just happened to you, not me, because I can pick up there and also rediscovering new technologies. Lots of the people who work in Silicon Valley and mm-hmm. all your computer guys are allegedly autistic and ADHD, aren't they? Definitely. I was also thinking about Alexander Bell, who invented the telephone. I'm sure I heard something about him. Yeah, I'm reading reading a book right now that's called Mastery, um, and it's about all these people that have mastered their craft. um, Mozart, Darwin, Einstein, Newton, um, Benjamin Franklin. and, And it's so funny because I'm listening to it on audio, and every guy this author was mentioning I'm like autistic 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 I know and where's the women where's the women because the women weren't noted then were they but where yeah, are the women yeah well I'm actually planning on on a future book that's going to be about um legendary autistic figures throughout history and and it's going to be 12 of them um and half of them are going to be women um okay I actually who, who, who are the famous women that I'm who, that you could who's two yeah famous I'm gonna see autistic women yeah, so um, I'm sure we're all familiar with, um, let's take one, someone from today, uh, Greta, Greta Thunberg or Thunberg. Yeah, um, okay, yes, yes. She's yes, autistic yes. and um, yeah. she had an eating disorder as well. Did um, she? Yep, she had anorexia. Um, 
And do you know, uh, yeah, the writer, Emily Dickens? Mm-hmm, of course. Um, Virginia Woolf had yeah, okay. autism and anorexia. Um, Sia, the, the music put uh, artist, she, autistic? She, 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 yeah, last year, or this, this year she came out publicly as autistic. Uh, um, yeah, and also... She most- always used to, sorry, but when she, that's so interesting because when she first became successful because she was a songwriter and then she started to write her own songs and sing them herself, she always used to cover her face with her hair. Yeah. sing to the back of the stage didn't she yeah and she had her her movie music that came uh-huh, out that stirred uh-huh. up a lot of controversy in the autistic community because she had picked um maddie siegler who is non-autistic as the person to portray the autistic and the autistic community didn't like that because they said you know we to have an autistic, the autistic character should be an actual autistic person. Um, and then when Sia came out as autistic later, I think there was a lot more compassion towards her choices for that movie. Because um, I think she what, just still felt a lot of shame around, what, what, around being what, what autistic. You, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. What do you think about that? Because from an acting perspective, you're going to cast whoever is the most believable. It's like saying, if you're going to, play an act, a character who's a murderer you have to be a murderer yeah <laughs> well yeah yeah that's that's interesting I mean I personally didn't really have any judgment around it. I was like okay. it's her movie she can do what she wants yeah, kind of thing yeah. um that's kind of my perspective um but I understand the autistic community's perspective of like we're representing an autistic person, but we're not even casting an autistic person like that. I understand that's not fair. because that representation is so minimal. It's like, well, come on, right. in this instance, right? And it's yeah. kind of it kind of supports also the stigma that autistic people are not capable of being cast for roles, um, oh, yeah. and of course they are. And my mom actually keeps saying, like. Olivia, there should be a movie um, made out of Rainbow Girl, my book, and and if there is, like, I want to be the cast in that. <laughs> um, yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> I your mom wants to be in it. Oh, oh, she'll have to be because she comes okay. in my book a ton too. <laughs> okay. Well, you're just gonna have to make a home movie and be like Coppola, you know? Yeah. Put it out there. Yeah. But my sister who created the cover who is just an incredible artist um we were talking with her and she's like we should make a cartoon movie out of it like a disney movie uh, <laughs> and i think that's a even a better idea. idea and then i'll do the voiceovers <laughs> uh, that's a that's a great yeah. idea so if there's any uh, casting directors producers animation yeah like, please uh, yeah. i'd love go, that go to livelabel.com livelabelfree.com <laughs> i did it livelabelfree.com um so you talked about this sixth sense. Do you, mm, how do you wish you'd been parented differently when you were little? Mm, I don't know if I would have wanted to actually been parented. My parents were, were wonderful, actually. <laughs> um, I mean, dude, we had our things and we had our disagreements, but I think one of the reasons why you know I do have such a close and valuable valuable relationship with my parents is because they they allowed me to express who I wanted to be in my own way and you know whenever I didn't want to do something that it was always a conversation it was never 
oh, you have to do things just because this is the way things are, which I know a lot of parents can be. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I think we talked about the ballet thing <laughs> last time. Yeah. And, you know, my mom was like, Lithia, like, go up on stage. Like, you have to do the performance. And I was like, no, no, I can't. And And it was like, then at one point it was like, okay, then you don't have to do it. Like, if you don't want to. And like, yeah. even w- with food, you know, I was a very picky eater. We talked about this last time too. It was my chicken yeah. nuggets and macaroni. And, yeah. you know, my parents encouraged me to eat more. But if I five times in a row said, no, not going to happen, then they were like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> um, so isn't, can, yeah. something just struck me. Isn't it interesting that you developed what you're calling an eating disorder behavior and I'm still trying to call an eating, no, an eating disorder. I'm calling an eating disorder behavior, though difficult to differentiate the two. Particularly if you've got eating disorder behaviors, they are going to be grouped together into a disorder or syndrome. But we've talked about that as well, the kind of helpfulness or not of mental health parlance and how you have this big group of kind of walking wounded, as we said at the beginning, and I've got this and I'm this and I'm that and I belong to that tribe, et cetera, et cetera. You're... I'm going to call it eating disorder because that's what you call it. Also was your your great defender and also your protector and your saviour because if you hadn't yeah. gone through that, you might not have been diagnosed so early. It might have happened in your 30s or 40s. Right. or yeah. What do you think about all that? I mean, I think the, the eating disorder um, and the development of that, I do actually think my parents did play a role in that just because but not because of them individually but more their relationship um my parents are divorced now um but my my dad you know we he wasn't diagnosed autistic or ADHD until we knew what autism was after I was diagnosed and um a lot of the arguments between my parents that started around the same time that I developed my eating disorder were around just looking back, just lack of understanding and compassion for each other's differing um, ways of being and ways of thinking. My dad is very sensitive in the sense that, you know, he needs to know what's going to happen. He doesn't like surprises. Um, He had a very, very traumatic childhood, um, yeah, which obviously we won't go into. And my mom was was just very different, you know, very spontaneous, everything last minutes. Um, and, you know, that started to clash more mm. and more at some point. And mm. and my my dad would say, you know, you don't see me, you don't respect my needs. And my mom would obviously say the same thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think because they, they didn't, there wasn't that understanding of like, we have different needs, which both need to be accommodated. It was, you know, me, 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 you, you, you all the time. Um, I, I, for me, to bring that back to why I mentioned it, you know, for me at some point, I I felt like I needed to save them. I was the oldest daughter and, you know, the oldest daughter, it, the oldest child is often supposed to be the role model, you know, and mm-hmm. I have two younger sisters. And for me, I, yeah, it's already feeling unsafe and different. I was like, well, I found my purpose, you know, I'm going to fix my parents' relationship, which obviously I couldn't do because they would often hide their fighting from you, at least try to. Um, and and because I was like, I want to control that and I can't even control that, that's when the food came in because I was like, 
This I can control no matter what, and no one can hide this from me. I can hide it from other people, <laughs> um, and I have complete control over this. So I'd say that played into it, um, al- along with, you know, just not feeling like I fit into the world and, and not feeling like I had control over anything that I wanted to. It's complex, isn't it? Because it, is. <laughs> it would be enough just to want to look after your parents at such a young age and fix them. It would be enough for you to start controlling your food. But there was also something else going on, which was the whole yeah. which is the whole point. What do you think gets, what would you like to say in particular? Because we're, ne- we're nearing the end. What would you like people to know or to hear? Or, or what do you think gets missed? What's your kind of you know, um, drama? Yeah, I think bang? the number one thing that gets missed is the power of lived experience. Um, and that is evident in how ADHD, autism, all these types of <clears throat> neurodiversity are pathologized. And we see, we say we need to get tested. We need to get a diagnosis. We need to go see a clinical provider. Um, but my best advice, if, you know, you, the listener, thinks you are autistic, you are ADHD, you have another form of neurodiversity, or you're a parent listening to this, or a caregiver, or a loved one of someone, is don't don't go seeking the test to the diagnose, diagnostic t- criteria. Don't go reading these manuals written by people who don't have lived experience. Like, go read books, go follow people on social media who have who are autistic or ADHD, you know, go listen to their podcasts. And I mean, if you resonate with what they're saying and their story, I think we can allow ourselves um, to to trust that instinct of ours of, I relate to this, I resonate with this, and there's probably a reason for that. I mean, I I knew I was autistic just by reading that one book written by another autistic woman. I did not need an assessment or a test or I did not need to read a manual pamphlet on what it means to be autistic. I knew from the moment that I read that story, I was like, I resonate with this on such a deep level. It is impossible for me to not be this thing. So I'd say, yeah, that's the advice I would give is, is if you really want to know, or is go 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 engage with lived experience. It's so interesting because I am a lot older than you. I am about 150. 150? <laughs> yeah, I am 150 or 24. My generation and the generation above me, I've heard people say, oh, everyone's diagnosing themselves these days. Oh, so-and-so. So-and-so's kids suddenly got ADHD, this, that. And... There is something about my generation and how we were brought up because our parents were, well, their parents were in the war. So there was, particularly in the UK, there was this kind of mentality of, and also stoicism. There's a real place for stoicism, but that you, that you get on with it. And I'm, I just always wonder whether, I always think that the global brain We've all got these individual brains, but I'm thinking about I'm thinking about consciousness. Let's just talk about a global brain. That that brain is plastic, as we know, and it changes. And I just wonder if young people and babies being born today that their brains are completely different because they're going to need a very different brain because the ways of thinking are going to be new and different and innovative. And so we say 
they're neurodivergent because because they're going to have to be. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, although I, I do question, you know, I mean, evolution does not work over a few centuries <laughs> um, or a few decades or whatever it is. Whereas I, I feel like, yeah, you know, true. the fact that we have seen such a rise in depression, suicide, mental health, like actual disorders and problems just mm. goes to show that our world has is evolving faster than our brains can. I, I do, do believe that. I mean, even with AI and, and which are all science fiction, like I remember my, when like FaceTime, when FaceTime came out, my dad was like, this was Star Trek when I was a kid. Yeah. And now it's like real, like what is going on here? Like my parents are still alive and they were in a generation where we did not, where they did not have what we already have today, meaning like the technology and the world is changing faster than our, our brains even have the ability to to catch up to. So I don't think that the neurodiversity itself is increasing. I think just the awareness for it is increasing. And that's why more and more people are being diagnosed. Like, it's kind of like I, I made a video a couple of years ago joking about gravity or something and saying... Um, a grandma saying like we didn't have autism when I was growing up and and then the the joke is like well when was gravity invented and I think it was like 1873 or something and then it mm. was like so before that time there was no gravity and it was like <laughs> of course there was just people were not aware of it <laughs> yeah yeah of course of course is there anything you want to say before we finish I had a lovely structure that I was gonna do with you and we've just waffled on which is great I loved it. Yeah. No. Um. I mean, if anyone wants to get in touch with me, or read yes, my I was story, going to say that. Yeah, they can. That. My book Rainbow Girl is out now and has been out for a few months. Um, and my website, which you already mentioned, LiveLabelFree.com. If they want to learn more, get in touch with me. I'd I'd be more than happy to chat. Um, because I think same as you, Gemma. I, I love when people reach out and and share their thoughts on the podcast because it yeah. it makes it more of a conversation. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't really want to hit that button, but I'm going to. Thank you once again for coming on Love This Food Thing podcast. Yeah, we'll so have all fun. your information on your show notes and on our Instagram page. And and yeah, get in touch with Liv because um, she's very honored. She's always <laughs> in soul. Thank you so much. Lots of love. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Love This Food Thing. If you'd like to reach me, I'm on Instagram at Love This Food Thing. Or you can head to our website, lovethisfoodthing.com. Join our community. Everyone's welcome. Catch you in the next episode.